morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to morning worship for the second Sunday in Lent. Wherever you are this morning, uh, it's great to see you here at Hillhead. Our service this morning will be led by our Minister Katrina, and we'll also hear the voices of Elizabeth, who will lead the Lord's Prayer in Welsh, Sylvia, Esan, Petri and Ali, who will read scripture for us, and Rachel, who will lead our prayers for others. Our musicians this morning are Paul and Yang Yang and Lena, who will lead us in the singing of a hymn from Russia. In a moment, Wendy will be lighting our candle. Then this evening at 7pm, Rebecca Gebauer will lead the second of our Lenten evening reflections on themes from the musical Hamilton. Then just a wee reminder that our Lent appeal on behalf of Glasgow City Mission is now open and you'll find the link to the Just Giving page in the March edition of The Key. Now, as you know, we hope to move uh, towards hybrid worship next month, which will mean that we will each of us have the option of worshipping on Sunday mornings, either in the hotel or online on Zoom. We're aiming to move into this new phase of our life together on Sunday, the 17th of April. That's Easter Day, uh, an appropriate day, I think, uh, to move forward. So listen out for more detailed information about how that will work over the next couple of weeks. And then just a couple of pieces of family news. It's lovely to see Morag back home and with us this morning. Great to see you, Morag. Uh, Lily, though, is still in hospital. She's still in the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital, uh, having tests and awaiting treatment. And then just please keep Mary and Ian in your prayers, who are poorly at the moment. But time now for Wendy to light our candle. Wendy. As we gather together for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day.
Today's prayer of approach is based on a weekly email that I receive from an organisation called World in Prayer. And so this is from this week's email. Let's pray together. In stillness, let us hear your voice, God. That's easy to say, but it's hard to do. The endless whirl of thoughts in our heads try to grab our attention. And pings from electronic devices clamour, listen to me. Life often seems like an endless spiral of demands, claims, pressures and concerns. But we choose to be in your presence. So here we are. Creator God, you are our rock on which we stand. Still the busyness of our minds, the doubts, the fears, the concerns and worries, so that we can talk with you and hear your voice, recognising your accent, just as Jesus did in his human life. Creator God, speak your words of wisdom and life. As we hear, read or watch the news and our attention is drawn especially to the invasion of Ukraine in all its horror and suffering, many questions disturb us to which we may never find answers. Yet, even as we name this truth, we are aware that other places and other situations of war, violence, injustice and suffering have disappeared from view. And we find ourselves overwhelmed by the immensity of it all. We remind ourselves of our belief that you created all people in your own image and in love, declaring your creation to be good and blessing it. And at the same time, we know that humankind is flawed and capable of huge evil. Loving God, help us to see ourselves and others as you do. Forgive us our sins, whether of action or inaction, and whether the result of ignorance, powerlessness or selfishness. In your loving kindness, help us to realign our lives to fulfil your will for who we are and what we do. Help us to renew and make new relationships, to repair or restore those that are damaged, in line with your justice and transforming love, so that all creation may truly flourish. And as we listen for your prompts, moment by moment, teach us to recognise your accent. Just like Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Aintad, a honan and a voice. Sanctadia de enum. Dele de deirnas. Gwenele de oethlis. Megis an a nev. 
felly ar y ddea hefyd. Dyrwyn i heddiw ein bara benyddiol, y maddau i ni ein dyledion, fel y maddau hwn ni ni ein dyledwyr, ac acfen arwain ni ydi brofedigaeth, eithu'r gwared ni rhag drwg, caneseitho ti yw'r deinas, yn erth a gogoniant, yn oes oes oes. Amen. of the Gospels that we find in the New Testament offer us detailed accounts of the temptations that Jesus faced during the time he spent in the wilderness following his baptism. It's a time that is hugely significant as he prepares himself mentally and spiritually for his ministry. And it's a series of events to which, as far as we can ascertain, there are no human witnesses. Indeed, if we are to make any sense at all of those accounts, we have to deduce that at some point Jesus shared with those closest to him what took place. So who, or more precisely, what, witnessed what happened? As I was pondering it this week, I found some words from a bit of Uh, Luke's account of the story later on, right up at Palm Sunday, where people are shouting Hosanna as he comes into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the authorities are trying to get them to be quiet. And they say, make your followers be silent. And Jesus said, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. So 
this week, all of our silent witnesses are stone. They are inanimate. They can't actually speak. And yet. So let's listen now to the first part of the story. Jesus returned from the Jordan, filled with the Spirit. The Spirit took him off into the wilderness for 40 days to, the, to be tested by the devil. He ate nothing during that time. And at the end of it, he was hungry. If you are God's son, said the devil, tell his stone to become a loaf of bread. Is written, replied Jesus, it takes more than bread to keep you alive. Some of us are large and rugged. Recently tumbled from height as a crack in the rock gave way, eroded by frost or wind or water. And some of us are small and smooth, having rubbed along together for thousands and thousands of years, washed in rivers, frozen by icy waters, tickled by gentle breezes and battered by high winds. We are as old as the hills, but mostly we just lie here unnoticed. Stones, pebbles, small pieces of rock formed from the same dust as the stars. Indeed, the same dust as the mountains, the trees, the birds, the fish, and even, dare I say so, the human beings. We are silent. We do not, we cannot speak. Yet we watch and we wonder, silent witnesses to the whole of life. If you read your scriptures, you will see we are there all the way through at significant moments and in the mundane every day. Some, 
those judged to be rare and precious are carefully selected and polished to form part of ceremonial garments and objects. Some, large and flat, chosen to have important words inscribed. Some set up as memorial markers. Some used to mark the course of a building as a corner or a foundation. And some placed in a shepherd's sling to scare away wild animals. But not us. We are, or at least we were, the overlooked stones and pebbles of a wild place. He came among us, a man of about 30 years, all alone and deep in thought. He didn't seem to eat very much, if at all. And as the days passed, he began to look pale and weary. Whether it was a dream or a hallucination caused by hunger, a vision or something that actually happened, it's not for us to judge. We are, after all, just stones. But for him it was real. Famished and thirsty, he became aware he was not alone, that someone had come alongside him, tormenting him, mocking his values, trying to lure him into actions he might later regret. Look at those stones, came a voice. You could turn them into bread. We tried, in vain of course, to make ourselves smaller, to become invisible. We tried, without success, to change our shape, to look a bit less like loaves of bread. But we could not. We didn't want to be made into bread. We were quite content to be stones. Nothing against bread. Humans need it to feed their bodies. But it doesn't last very long, does it? Change stones to bread to satisfy your own hunger, or maybe all human hunger, at least for a while. It could have been a selfish act, but it could also have been a well-intentioned humanitarian act. And he said, no. Meeting immediate physical needs is a good thing, but it isn't enough. Life is so much more than having a full belly. Life is richer, more wonderful, more complicated, more exciting. There are no quick fixes. Miracles and magic tricks are not the answer. So here we are, stones in the wild place, largely overlooked, silent witnesses to what was said, of what was so tempting that it really could have happened, and of the choice that was made. No to self-interest. No to easy answers. No to inadequate and only ever temporary quick fixes. If we had a voice, what a story we could tell. 
Instead, as silent witnesses, we are left to wonder and stare. The devil then took him up and showed him, in an instant, all the kingdoms of the world. I will give you authority over all of this, said the devil, and all the prestige that goes with it. It's been given to me, you see, and I give it to anyone I like, so it can all be yours, if you will just worship me. It's written, replied Jesus, the Lord your God is the one you must worship. He is the only one you must serve. high place, a hill or a mountain without a name. And yet here he faced a terrible temptation and I was witness to it. There are so many mountains and hills in the story and I'm sure you can recall some of them. There was Ararat, where the ark came to rest. Sinai, where Moses met Yahweh and received the Torah. Moriah, where Solomon built his temple. Carmel, where Elijah tasted victory. And Horeb, where in desperation he found shelter in a cave. In Jesus' story, there would be important hills and mountains too. Some of them with names, some without. But it seems that I was to be the first. It takes time to scale a mountain, even to climb a hill. Often, the climber will pause on the way, taking a moment to draw breath, to admire the view, to check the way ahead, 
But finally, once the summit is reached, so long as the weather permits, of course, there is a view to behold. On a clear day, it's possible to see villages and towns and cities, roads and rivers, forests and fields, almost to see as God sees. And as he stood there on top of me, he could see across into Samaria, towards Judea, Galilee. To the far north lay Syria, and over to the east, the Decapolis, or Ten Towns. There was the River Jordan, the road to Jericho, the Dead Sea, and far to the west, the Mediterranean. All of life was here. Troops marching, farmers growing wheat, shepherds tending their sheep, boats on the lake, people of every known nation. All this can be yours if you sell out to the way of evil. To rule the world, to control the supply of food or of fuel, to send mighty armies to those who opposed you, to terrify other leaders with threats of annihilation, to manipulate and bribe those who were more readily fooled. Why choose freedom and justice, self-determination and international cooperation when you could rule over all of it by might, by terror? It's often said that you're closer to God at the top of a mountain, perhaps because that height seems a bit closer to heaven, but maybe also because it's further away from the distractions and busyness of everything down below. Certainly people come up here to think about things, to let go of painful memories, or to gain perspective before going back down to their everyday lives. Whatever it was, he refused to give in to the temptation to rule by might and fear. Instead, reminding himself, and indeed me, of the sovereignty of God, who created all things, even us mountains and hills. And so here I am. A mountain or a hill without a name. Silent witness to what was said and of what was so tempting it could really have happened. And of the choice that was made. No to ruling by fear. No to violence. No to corruption and control. If I had a voice, what a story I could tell. Instead, as a silent witness, I'm left to wonder and stare.
Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and stood him on a pinnacle of the temple. If you are God's son, he said, throw yourself down from here. It is written that he will give his angels a command about you to look after you, and they will carry you in their hands so that you won't hit your foot against a stone. It has been said, replied Jesus, you mustn't put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished each temptation, he left him until another opportunity. The temple, the centre of religious life, where devout parents bring their infant sons for blessing, where poor widows make their offerings, where God-fearing foreigners may gather to listen to scholars, where sacrifices are made and prayers are offered. Imposing, ornate, Set right at the heart of the city, the place everyone wants to visit at least once in their lifetime. A place where festivals are celebrated, where tourists flock to see what's happening. The very centre of all things Jewish. And so I stand here, my architecture admired by those who visit. A thing of beauty a wonder to behold. Yet, within my walls, so much is mundane and ordinary. Just people going about their lives. Here, faith and doubt, justice and injustice, truth and lies mingle together. And it isn't always entirely clear which is which. If you could climb to the highest point of my walls or stand on my roof, you could see almost everything. There are some things you can't see that take place in enclosed rooms without windows, where only the priests are allowed to go and then only on certain days of the year. But if you did climb up here, you might realise just how vulnerable you were how precarious a position you now occupied, right at the centre of faith, and yet somehow separated from it. I've never quite understood what was going through his mind as he stood there, right on the edge, looking down, weighing up whether or not to jump. If he did jump, 
Well, it didn't bear thinking about. Hard stone pavements and soft human bodies don't make for a good outcome. You'd have to be really desperate, really sure there was no other possible alternative. Or you'd have to be utterly convinced that God would intervene. And frankly, I couldn't see that happening. I was so grateful when he stepped back from the edge. No, he said, I will not test God. I will not put others at risk in an act of, what was it? Desperation? Delusion? Despair? Whatever was going through his mind, and I really feared for his mental health and well-being in those moments. Perhaps he recognised and remembered that God is not some kind of a genie at our beck and call, whose sole role is to step in and fix everything, no matter how. Perhaps he realised that stunts were not only dangerous, but that if he chose this way of impressing people, he will become ensnared in an endless cycle of more and more dangerous endeavours until one day it would all go too far. Or that even if he did this and lived, celebrity is fleeting and he'd soon be replaced by somebody else who seemed more exciting. So here I am, a temple dressed of dressed and carved stones, a tourist attraction and a place of prayer, the silent witness to what was said, of what was so tempting that it really could have happened, and of the choice that was made. No to foolhardy stunts. No to testing God's power. No to fickle celebrity status. No to ending it before it even began. If I had a voice, what a story I could tell. Indeed, if we had voices, what stories we could all tell. Tiny pebbles in the wilderness, lofty hills and mountains, magnificent buildings at the centre of religious life. Instead, as silent witnesses, we are left to wonder and stare. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Word about him went out throughout the whole district. He taught in their synagogues, 
and gained a great reputation all around. Before we, Rachel leads us into our prayers for others, we are going to listen to and hopefully sing one of the most well-known old Slavic, Eastern Slavic hymns, one that is much loved and treasured in both Ukraine and Russia. The story of the hymn is quite interesting itself. I was digging a little bit deeper um, into its history this weekend, and it turns out that the words of the song have been written by an Orthodox school teacher, uh, Ivan Grigorievich Kulzhinsky, who was from Chernihiv, now Ukraine. Then, of course, it was all part of the Tsarist Russian Empire. It was then embraced by Russian-speaking evangelical Baptist believers, and the tune most likely comes from Russia. Countless, countless churches, both in Russia and Ukraine, would have sung it throughout many decades. It's more than 100 years old. And so we will also sing it today, thinking that quite likely it is also being sung this morning by Ukrainian believers, wherever they gather, um, whether it's in basements or still in churches. Of course, the best way to hear this would be in the original, sung typically by a male choir. And that's how the song probably is the most powerful, and maybe we can find a way to share that kind of a recording at some point. This morning you will be reduced to Little Me, and also a recording of that. We've, we've tried it just before the service, and Zoom wasn't very happy. So instead of me singing live, we'll hear a recording, which hopefully will go well enough for us to be able to join. My suggestion would be that we all listen to the first verse, and maybe when it comes to verse 2, you might want to join in humming, learning this, this melody, this tune. And then by verse 3, if you, if you feel so led, you can join in singing as we remain muted. So that's the plan, and I'll do my best now to share the sound and lead us into it that way. Life's stormy seas are raging all around me, fearful and grieving, I now face the grave. Oh God, my God, hear my anguished pleading, snatch my frail boat from the on the wave. Oh God, my God, hear my anguished pleading, Snatch my frail boat from the on the wave. In your deep pity, mark my endless struggles. From my first breath until this present hour. Oh God, my God, now my strength is 
Stretch out your hand with its life-giving power. Oh God, my God, now my strength is waning. Stretch out your hand with its life-giving power. Through this fierce tempest, one thing still can draw me, that peace and purpose of your holy will. Oh God, my God, bring me to this harbor and in its safety my soul can be still. Oh God, my God, bring me to this harbor and in its safety my soul can be still. Let us pray. Most merciful God, we come before you as we are. Weary, some energized. Some beaten down, some at the top. Stressed, some lighthearted, and some everywhere in between. We come before you recognize that we are tempted, often as Jesus was tempted by the devil. We are tempted by sustenance, power, and recognition to walk away from you, to take a path different than the one that you have set before us. We confess that in the height of those temptations, we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. Not only in the things we have done, but also the things we haven't done. The opportunities missed to spread your word, to bring healing to a wounded heart, to bring comfort to the grieving and the widowed. All of this strikes home, especially now with the war in Ukraine and the charity efforts that are going to help those affected by the war, both directly and indirectly. Help us to take the opportunities to help that you call us to. May we be brave as we step out and be your hands and feet. Lord, we lift before you the churches and the people in the Baptist Union of Scotland. We lift to you John Jamieson, Army Chaplain. We thank you for his service, helping those in the armed forces as a support and listening ear. We pray that you would bless his efforts and keep him strong in this difficult time. We pray for Castle Hill Baptist Church as they strive to bring services safely back in person. We ask that you guide them in this tricky process. We pray for Cathcart Baptist Church and their effort to reach out to their community through their various missions. We also lift before you Castle Milk Community Church. We pray that you would bless them with a growing congregation, their future minute, their furniture ministry, and their integration ministry as they bless those around them with what they have. Lord, we also pray for members of our own congregation, Jean R., Sylvia and Norman, Ailey, John, Owen and Ethan, Joan R., Margaret S., Mary and Ian, Betty, Graham, Allie and family, and Lena and George. Bless them and keep them in this difficult time. 
We ask that you provide all their needs, physical and emotional, in the coming weeks. Lord, now as we go our separate ways, we ask that you help us to love you with our whole heart. Help us then to love our neighbors as ourselves. We ask for your mercy and forgiveness as we inevitably stumble, but still that we may delight in your will and walk in your way and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. we go our separate ways. May the God of the temple bless us as we grow in faith and in grace. May the God of the mountain bless us as we seek justice and peace. May the God of the stones in the wilderness bless us in the everyday orderliness. And may the God of all creation be our refuge and shelter now and always. Amen.